So I went to my boss, said, look, I'm going to the doctor. I'll let you guys know what's going on. I left. I went to the doctor, and that's when I was with Dr. Jones. He said, yeah, come on in. Did some lab work on me. Then he called me like the next day, and he was like, Jarvis, are you feeling okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he was like, I need you to report to the emergency room like immediately. Jeez. And I said, for what? What's going on? And he was like, I think we know what's going on, but we're not really sure. Mm-hmm. But you need to report immediately. And I said, okay. What's going on? He was like, we believe you have leukemia. Wow. And I had no idea what leukemia was. So when I asked him, he was like, it's, it's kind of like a blood disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, that's when you had HIV and right. AIDS and all that's right. going on. So my mind is just everywhere. Right, everywhere. I'm like, doctors, this, uh, he was, he laughed at me. He was like, Jarvis, that has this two different things. Absolutely right. not. This is Strategic Moves with Ken Dow. What's up, everybody? You tuned in to another episode of Strategic Moves. I'm your host, Ken Dow. This is a place where we bring art, culture, politics, and business all together, and we do it every Sunday right here on this channel. But when I'm not shooting this podcast, I am the owner of Strategic Resources, where we specialize in governmental relations, political campaigns, and public relations. Been doing it in this state for over 25 years. I met some interesting people along the way, and I want to make your next move a strategic move. And this show gives me an opportunity to do just that. So if you're interested in something that I was speaking about or you're interested in something we might be doing, I want you to hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell as well so that you will know the next time we have a program coming on. And today we have a guest in the studio audience. He's a friend of mine I met some years ago. And he don't know this, but he made it on my show because... He has given me the only award I ever received in my life. Believe that. I was a parent at his school, and my son went to his school. He was a coach, and they did a, he gave me an award for parent appreciation for helping out on the thing. He gave me a big plaque. I had it in my house for a long time. So I appreciated that. I always remembered that. And so I thought he was an interesting guy, and he's done some interesting things. So everybody, I want y'all to welcome Coach Jarvis Gibson to the program. People don't remember stuff. Many moons ago, man. You never know what you do to people that affect them in their lives. So that yeah, was something you know, that you and did. I, and I'm trying to get better at rewarding people that don't yeah. help me out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I guess they call it nowadays giving people their flowers while they're still here. That's right. That's, so that's right. I guess I've been doing it for a while. So no, I really <laughs> appreciate it. We was doing a lot of work over there at the school and you gave me that award and I always liked it. I said, Wow, you know what? That was really good of you. And I've been following you over the years i know you've been doing some interesting things you were coaching and over at shaker high school and a few other schools along the way but i brought you here today to first tell you thank you for the award but also people to talk a little bit more about your foundation you have the jarvis gibson foundation we want to talk a little bit about that as well but before we do that in typical fashion of our program, we got to tell everybody where you're from, man. Cleveland got this neighborhood thing, man. It's this thing when you go around the country, everybody say, where you from? You'd be like, I'm from Glenville. They'd be like, man, that ain't a city. That's a neighborhood. I'm like, what city are you from? You'd be like, oh, I'm from Cleveland. But here, we all about neighborhoods and that. So tell us, man, are you a resident? Are you a, from Cleveland? You was born, raised in Cleveland? Tell us your background, man. Okay, actually, I was born in Detroit. Detroit. I was born in Detroit. Detroit. Um, parents split when I was at young age, maybe three or four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was raised here in Cleveland pretty much. Okay. We went back and forth visiting mm-hmm. with dad and things like that. But majority of my time was spent here in Cleveland. Okay. So when people say neighborhoods, okay. the neighborhood I always throw out is Longwood. Longwood? No, it's Longwood. It's, uh, so you was down in the Jets? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that ain't bad. We, you know, Latif. Let's just give him a horn anyway. We're going to give him a horn anyway. We usually lose our horn for our grizzle, but just special guy, we're going to give a shout out to Longwood. Longwood in the house. We're going to give Longwood the horn, all right? So you grew up in Longwood. So how was it growing up down there? You grew up with your mom, you say, down yeah, there in Longwood. Yeah. Brothers uh, and sisters? Uh, older brother. Older mm-hmm. brother, 18 months apart. Okay. My, so was my brother, my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was tough growing up there. We first got here. We're pretty much couch surfing, you know, living mm-hmm. with my auntie, yeah. my cousins, their family. And then probably maybe two years in, mm-hmm. mom finally got an apartment there, got a job with Ohio Bell. Okay. <clears throat> and then things started to turn around for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but living in the projects was tough, man. It was not easy. Yeah. People think the things that they're doing now, we always say we was doing those same things back then. Mm-hmm. You just see it. Just, a lot of stuff is just marketed different now because right. you have social media and things like that. Mm. A lot of things was going on in those projects down there at that time. 
You went to and you graduated high school from Cleveland South High School. Cleveland South. You went to South High. Now, also, um, did you play sports in high school? Or anything yeah, stuff? I started playing sports in Little League at Powell Seven, which is now Lonnie Burton. Yeah, the Renegade. So started playing down there, and probably maybe grade six and seven, mm -hmm. or maybe yeah, seven to eighth, I believe it was six, mm -hmm. seven to eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And then my last year, what I could have played some more. That's when we actually moved. Okay, we moved out of Longwood, and we moved actually on Cornelia, which is probably four streets north of Superior, 79th. Okay. okay. We moved over there, and it was a matter of, do I continue to try to make weight every mm -hmm. week? Okay. Or do I start to bulk up and go to high school and play as a freshman? But I also mm -hmm. wanted to get to know the kids in the neighborhood that I was in. Okay. Because literally, I was going back down to Longwood every day. Right. Yeah. So if you know where East High School is, exactly. and where Longwood is, right. there was times where I was literally walking down there right. every day. Wow. Just to go back, because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And then my mindset started to change, and then... The rest, I went to East High as a freshman. I actually was too many gang fights in that school. In East High? At East High, believe it or not, man. Wow. They, listen, I'm from the projects. Mm -hmm. I've never seen gang fights like that. Wow. And one day, the deciding factor for me to leave was a guy came to me. He didn't know who I was. He was like, hey, man, are you Jarvis? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He was like, I don't know who you are, but I don't really know you, but guys are talking about robbing you. Really? Yeah, man. I went home, told my mom, get me the heck up out of here. And this was 79th. 79th, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. A lot of gangs. And at, at that time, it was a lot of gangs over there. Oh, so that's how you ended up going to South High. Went to South High. But you got to remember, at South High, a lot of my friends were there already. South High was over. That's over off of Broadway, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, All right, that's still Longwood. You yeah, went right back to Longwood. But it was, it's a ways from Longwood. But well, no, because Longwood School would have been East Tech. Um, East Tech. Yep. That's so correct. half of the people down there went to East Tech, the other half went to South High. That's correct. It all okay. depended on your address. You like literally had people that lived across from each other. Correct. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I was comfortable with my friends there. I was trying to get back where I was more comfortable, comfort zone for me. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I transferred over to South. And when you got to South High and you play sports there and move on, how was your experience in high school? And I'm going there for a reason, because I know that you had got a scholarship or you didn't get a scholarship, but you went on to college and you went to Case. And that's not an easy school to get no, into. Not an easy so school at all. I, how was the transition to high school to get into case? Yeah. How did you make that transition? How was you able to stay out of trouble to keep yourself focused? be able to pull off a Case Western Reserve scholarship. Here's the thing. Growing up, my mom, my mindset was always, it's not where you live, but how you live. Mm -hmm. So as I was living in Longwood, a lot of people don't know this about me. I played the piano, the cornet, and the guitar. Okay. I took acting classes at Caramel House. Mm -hmm. So my mother often took horseback riding lessons. So oh. My mom kept our mind outside of the projects. Okay. So I was already focused. So if you mm -hmm. ask me, because my mom always gave us a choice. Once you graduate high school, you got three choices, military, mm -hmm college or go to the workforce. Okay. My mom went to college. My mom graduated from Alabama State. Mm -hmm. My uncle, Alabama State as well. So for me, if you ask me as a kid, what are you doing out of the high school? I didn't know anything other than going to college. Going to college. My okay. mind was already there. Mm. So that's what, I, sports came easy to me. Actually, mm -hmm. academics came easy while I was in high school. Okay. So to start, believe it or not, there wasn't not a lot of trouble at South High School. Really? No, man. I'm telling you, again, going back to East High, there was probably a fight every other week there. Really? At South High School, if I was there for three years, I may have seen two fights. Maybe. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's it. It's, so that's it was, the difference in the community. Oh, yeah. At that time, bro, we was there for chasing girls and academics and foot and sports. <laughs> that's basically what we did. Those are the three options. It wasn't mm -hmm. any of that other stuff. But then I would say after my sophomore year, believe mm -hmm. it or not, after we went to in football city championship, mm -hmm. basketball city championship, that coming off of that sophomore year, we probably lost maybe 35% of our startup student athletes. And they went, that's when the crack epidemic came along. Wow. And we just lost those guys to the streets to, to selling drugs. Wow. Now, that was, it wasn't coming into the building at the time. Right, they right. would just go do what they do. They probably wouldn't be in school. Mm -hmm. But there, were no there was no drama at all because we still had a strong hold as athletes, mm -hmm. you know, because that's who ran the school pretty much at that mm -hmm. time was mm -hmm. the athletes. Correct. But once I graduated, mm -hmm. Everything went downhill. Guys who used to be friends are now starting to beef. That stuff didn't occur when we were in school. Mm. It's a different mindset. But now moving to college, mm -hmm. to answer your question, to be honest with you, I was not ready my first freshman year case. 
That's when I. Found. How did you get there? How you well, end up case over anywhere else? It was interesting. I was actually I was supposed to go to Alabama State. Okay. Because that's where mom was from. Actually, one of our principals were a, was a grad from Alabama State. My mm -hmm. uncle was Alabama State, and I just didn't want to go that far away from home. Okay. And then I actually had a scholarship to Cincinnati. Okay. But they got put on probation that year, mm -hmm. and then actually I had gone to Ohio Wesleyan. Okay. Because when I took a trip there, I had met a couple guys actually from Glenville, Derek mm -hmm. and Damon Cody. Okay. Shout out to those guys. One is a, a plastic surgeon right now, mm -hmm. and the other one is a software engineer. Okay. I mean, these guys are doing some great things, but we met while we were there. Mm -hmm. and we had made a pact that, hey, we're going to go to Ohio Wesleyan together. Okay. So I actually went down to Ohio Wesleyan initially. Okay. I got down and I was there during the summer for uh, workouts. Okay. And I would tell you, Ken, I thought I was in boot camp. I had never worked out like that in my life. <laughs> it, we, if I can recall, man, we had a hundred kids in the room, and I thought that was the entire program. That was a freshman class. Wow. Yeah, there's a guy named Keith Rucker who went, ended up going to the pros. He actually came from Shaker. I mean, he was that was Division three, but they had Division one players, and that's how that coach recruited. He recruited Division one, Division two players. He didn't recruit Division three players. So I was there, <clears throat> started getting homesick, mm -hmm. and I was already accepted a case. I had already been accepted. I had been accepted of maybe 50 schools. Really? Yeah. And for then, academics or football? Both. Both. <laughs> both. Okay. I was homesick. Mm -hmm. First injury. I never really had an injury before. And at mm -hmm. that time, you remember, that was 100 freshmen. So just imagine the rest of the team. So <laughs> right. if you're not practicing, Playing, you're not going to play. Exactly. I couldn't even practice. And it was homesick. It was rough on me. And I was challenged. Mm. I'm not, I ran from the challenge, to be honest with you. I ran from it. Okay. Called mom, said, hey, call Coach Harris. Most people know Coach Dennis Harris. Mm -hmm. Called him. Coach Harris was like, shit, when can he get here? Mom called back. I said, you can come get me tomorrow. <laughs> wow. And that's how I ended up at Case. So did you play football at Case? Yeah, I played, case. I played four years at Case. Okay. Started as a freshman. Okay. And everything from there, I, I think my freshman year, I was ready to leave, to be honest with you. Mm. Because, again, it was another challenge. Mm. And this time, there was a person named Dr. Jackie Chisholm. And I went, she was, I went to go talk to Dr. Chisholm, and she was like, Jarvis, have you ever been challenged before? And I was like, not really. Just when mm -hmm. I started thinking about it, and she was like, I think you're running from a challenge right now, Jarvis. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought about it, called home to mom, of course. Mm -hmm. And because I, I got an F in calculus. Okay. And that just rocked my world. I've never gotten an F in my life. Okay. <clears throat> Call on the mom. was like, you're not the first person to get F. You won't be the last person to get F. Suck it up and do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And I accepted the challenge, and I finished the case. Yeah, Dr. Chisholm, she was on our program. Matter of fact, she holds the record for the longest podcast <laughs> on my show. I think we ended up doing almost four hours with Jackie Chisholm when it was said and done. We went to her office just to say hi and do something and ended up talking to her about an hour and a half or so and we were just recording. And when we walked out of there, we went over there to talk to her about coming to do the podcast. Okay. <laughs> and when we got over there, we were sitting there recording and she walking through the building and we did about, we walked out and we was like, damn man, that was the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Then she ended up making the appointment and she came over and she sat right there, man, for another two hours. Wow. And did a podcast. So she on the matter of fact, she was our very first guest. Okay. And our very first okay. guest was her and the second one was your guy Michael Ryan. So yeah, yeah. those were my yeah. two first guests. So that was cool. So what position you played at Case? Tailback. I was a running back. You was running back. Okay. You break any records over there? I wouldn't say I broke any records, but I will say I which was two oh, one year ago I was I made the all decade team. Okay. Yeah, so I was part of the all decade team. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And so what did you graduate with case? What did you what was your degree in? Industrial engineering. Industrial Operations engineering. Management industrial engineering, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And initially coming out, and that's why we spoke about when I came in, a picture on your wall of Arnold Pinkney. He was actually right. my first boss out of college. I remember you was, you was telling me that. You was telling me that. <laughs> yeah, I worked for Mr. Pinkney for my probably the first two years out. Really? And then, yeah, left there and went to Dr. Saffold at a personal physician's care. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was like, okay, I got to get into my major. You know, these are mm -hmm. jobs. These are not careers for that's me. That's correct. And then that's when I got with, at the time, I think it was SBC, then Ameritech, and then AT&T. Now, what was you doing with AT&T? I was an engineer there. I was an engineer for there for 19 years. Now, when people say that, what is that? What was it like when you went to work? What did you do? It was a lot of project work. Mm -hmm. um, so when I first got there, it was a switch. It was called the switch. I was a switch engineer. Um, then I became a transport engineer, and then I finished up as a power engineer. Mm -hmm. So as the power engineer, in any of these buildings, just like here, you have AC power. Mm -hmm. In those buildings, you have DC power. Okay. So I managed, though, I pretty much was a project manager for those 
for that DC power in every building, every central office, I um, Northeast Ohio mm-hmm. and Western Pennsylvania. So you uh, monitored it. And- yeah. So let's say for instance, they was trying to put new equipment into that building. Mm-hmm. Every piece of equipment that goes in there, you have to make sure it has enough power to handle it. Mm-hmm. So I was the person that managed the, the power that went into the building. Interesting. I was the person. So if something was coming in new, mm-hmm. they would come to me. I would have to make sure the numbers uh, matched up. That's correct. Sometimes you have to order new batteries, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I did. Yeah. And so that's around the time, man, you started to get to know each other a little bit. And you were coaching at a St. Peter's Chanel yep. High School mm-hmm. out there. And that's where I'm at. I, I tell people about that circumstances, about that whole experience out there that was, I've never experienced nothing like that in my life. So you got to remember, I was raised in a household where my parents were from the deep South. So everything that was coming at Chanel, I've heard already. I've seen it. I've heard it. It's a matter of now living it. So as the things start to happen, but I would tell you my profession first, when I first came out, also I was working with National City Bank. Okay. And I would tell you that I've seen more racism and prejudice going on there. Really? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Because that was pretty nasty at Chanel, man. But you said it was worse there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I can tell you stories, man, where we were supposed to rotate because I was in a program called COIS, Corporate Operation and Information System. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to rotate around. And I never got to rotate one time. Wow. I pretty much stayed there. So you had three or four areas that you were supposed to rotate in. Mm-hmm. The other folks did rotate. I never rotated. Mm. And then I remember I was an engineer for one of the main guys. Mm-hmm. And what we had to do was I had to come up with some moving averages for him. Mm-hmm. So I actually went to his industrial engineer and said, hey, look, I don't have any past data. I don't have anything. And I got within two points of it. And he said, Jarvis, I will tell you, I will even vouch for you in our meeting. We can't get him any closer to this. I was like, okay, I appreciate that. I'll keep that in my back pocket. So I got into the meeting, and I'm presenting to the boss of the upper management. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, and also, and I still remember the guy's name. His name was Russ. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I even went to Russ. Well, Russ said that I can't get any closer to this. He couldn't even get any closer to this. And he's your industrial engineer. Mm-hmm. And my boss literally turned to me and said, I didn't ask Russ. I asked you. Wow. And once he said that, at that time, I was actually, I just finished going through my process for alpha mm-hmm. and I dropped my head and just said a poem mm. and it was test of a man. And when mm-hmm. I recited test of a man, I just lift my head back up and I said, is there anything else I can do for you? Mm-hmm. And it was like, no. And I was like, okay, I'm excusing myself. And I left. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So the stuff that took place at Chanel, I, that was nothing to me. Hey, it was a big deal to me. Cause I was <laughs> like, you saw me, I was couldn't believe it. I'm like, and a lot of it was because I was dealing with some of the parents and I yeah. was just like really listening to what they were saying. It was like, don't y'all see me sitting here? <laughs> and, and I guess y'all don't know what kind of guy I am. I ain't going to let y'all say that and be like, okay, that's good. No, it was. So we're going to get past that because one of the other things we got out of that, and it was another difficult time, was you, you, that's when you felt ill, right? Yeah, Around actually, that time. It, it was actually, it was before that. Okay. It was before that. It was during my first stint there when I was actually coaching under Coach Roski. Okay. So I was there with him for three years, and then that third year, I was diagnosed with leukemia. So I can just remember the date. It was September 15th of 1999. Mm-hmm. So when that, when that happened, I had to take a, I took a year off. So how you knew you was something wrong with you and what made you go get tested? Actually, this when I was working at National City and mm-hmm. I was just losing weight. Okay. Now, technically, actually, I couldn't see it because I see myself every day. Mm-hmm. I was able to tell with my clothes. My okay. clothes were starting to feel baggy on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember every now and then somebody would say something about you slimming down. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, I was just finishing college. So I was still working out three days a week up at Case Western Reserve. Really? So I was still lifting mm-hmm. heavy. Okay. And my body doesn't rip up it bulks up Mm -hmm. my body wasn't bulking up anymore i was just like slimming down and just like ripping up Mm -hmm. and then i remember i was still going up playing basketball on for every friday night Mm -hmm. and normally when i was in school we would play basketball friday nights i would play five or six games Mm -hmm. and i would just i would be fine we would even go to the club afterwards Mm. after one game i was literally exhausted wow i could i would go home and just go to sleep for the rest of the night after one basketball game wow and then the weight loss was starting to happen like i said i was still working out lifting so Mm -hmm. i'm in my stomach i'm thinking i'm getting a six-pack mm-hmm. you know found out later on i had an enlarged spleen wow yeah so i was at work one day and i still remember her name was maddie and maddie looked at him she was like she was a supervisor she was like jarvis are you trying to lose weight and i was like man i'm tired of hearing this mm-hmm. so i went to my boss said look i'm going to the doctor i'll let you guys know what's going on i left and i went to the doctor and that's when i was with dr jones 
He said, yeah, come on in. Did some lab work on me. Then he called me like the next day. And he was like, Jarvis, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And he was like, I need you to report to the emergency room like immediately. Jeez. And I said, for what? What's going on? And he was like, I think we know what's going on, but we're not really sure. Mm-hmm. But you need to report immediately. And I said, okay. What's going on? He was like, we believe you have leukemia. Wow. And I had no idea what leukemia was. So when I asked him, he was like, it's, it's kind of like a blood disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, that's when you had HIV and right, AIDS and all that's right. going on. So my mind is just everywhere. Right, everywhere. Like, doctors, this, uh, he was, he laughed at me. He was like, Jarvis, that has this two different things. Absolutely right. not. So he took, went in, they did some more lab work, and he came back. He was like, yeah, now we're going to send you to Cleveland Clinic to get mm. a third opinion on it. And then that's when I was with Dr. Lichten, and I've been with Dr. Lichten from day one, mm-hmm. and uh, came back and said, yeah, but what you need to do is do a bone marrow test on you. Yeah, and I was like, what is that? <laughs> he was like, we can go in two ways. We can either go through your breastplate or we can go into your hip. So it went through the hip, and it's like having a hip pointer, like one of the, the worst, worst villains ever, man. And then listen, they do those things on TV, <laughs> and it's painful. And they're not doing it real on yeah. TV. And see, here's the thing man. with that. First of all, they can't numb you. Right. They say you can't numb a you bone. You can't numb a bone. And you got to crack through the yes. damn bone. So once they go in, not Ooh. once they hit the bone, now they have to start screwing it. They were screwing it. Ooh. And I still remember the guy from the lab was holding a Petri dish, and they put some extraction in there, and they asked me, I was like, do you have enough? I literally turned and gave him a look. You better say that's enough, dude, or they, it's not going to happen. And then I probably, maybe 48 hours later, they called me and they said, yeah, you have leukemia. Went back in, man, and I was sitting there talking to Dr. Lichten. I flat out asked him, I said, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know. And right. I just started crying. He was like, typically it's five years that they give you with this. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it hit me hard, man. Hit me hard. I actually went to counseling. Actually, I still go to counseling. A lot of folks don't know that. People, oh, you crazy? not crazy. I didn't have to be crazy. No, the heck yeah. I started going to counseling Whoa. immediately, man, because my mind was everywhere. That's when you start thinking, why me? Did I do something wrong? Why is the Lord doing this to me? And I literally, man, that first year, I just sat at home just not knowing what I was doing. And then that's when mm. I reached back out to Roski. And I said, hey, if you know, I need these kids more than they need me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, the only thing I have for you is a volunteer position. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? It's okay. I'll just sit around and wait. <clears throat> and then literally a week later, my mom called me. She was like, turn on your radio. So I turned because we always used to listen to, mm-hmm. you know, sports talk. And they was on there saying that he got let go. And I was like, what, what happened? And then that's when I met Bill Powers. Mm-hmm. And Bill Powers came in and he invited me to come back and part of the offensive staff and we won a state championship. My treatment was all oral. And I just took oral medication every day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the original drug they had put me on, my skin started to turn dark. Mm-hmm. I had another drug to make sure I didn't catch gout. Mm-hmm. And then a drug came along called Gleevec. Mm-hmm. And actually Gleevec was in test phase, mm-hmm. but it was actually taking people off their deathbeds. Really? Yeah, my doctor had been telling me about it, and then he said, Jarvis, if you're interested, it's, they brought it to market quickly. It didn't mm-hmm. stay in test phase that long. Mm-hmm. We, now, we don't know a lot of the long-term effects, <clears throat> but are you interested? And I jumped on it, and my counts, my white blood cell counts, because I used to have to go every month mm-hmm. to get them checked. I was in normal range in 30 days. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. 30 days, I was in normal range. <clears throat> really? Mm-hmm. And you still take it? No, actually, you know what? I've been off of Gleevec for the last three, three and a half, four years now. I'm not on any medication at all now. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they, man, there's some things that happened in my life physically mm-hmm. with me where doctors think I'm a walking miracle. Mm-hmm. Like literally my last year shaker that summer, I still remember it was June 1st. My legs went out. I was actually in a wheelchair. What the hell happened? They still don't know. Just went out. Just what was you doing? You woke I, up and they went no, out? I was actually taking my kids to a football camp at John Carroll. Okay. And as I was standing there, I just kept getting tired. My lower back was bothering me, so I would go sit down. Right. Then I would get back up, do that. Then I was like, I just have to make it home. <clears throat> Made it back to the school, got in my truck, went home. That weekend, I just pretty much laid around, putting things in my back, thinking it was just my lower back. And then AT&T, actually, the craft folks were going on strike. Mm-hmm. So I had to report to strike duty on Monday. <laughs> so I report to strike duty on Monday, Ken, and as I'm standing there, I can't stand up anymore. Wow. And I called my doctor. My doctor was like, just go to the ER right away. 
Like couldn't literally get like, up. Literally, I couldn't. I was standing there and I was like almost had to crawl to my car. So you drove yourself to the hospital? Yeah, here's the thing, Ken. When I was sitting down, I was fine. I was fine. When I stood up, legs just was weak. So if you sat down, you can move them, lift them up, do whatever. Everything. Even when I was standing, I was fine. I'm just weak. They're weak. Like I now can't, I can't move them now because they're so weak. And then. So you didn't lose because they wasn't, they wasn't paralyzed. No, 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 okay. All right. That's what I'm like, man. Okay. All right. You just, they were just, you were super, super weak. Couldn't stand. Couldn't stand. Could not stand wow. on my own at all. And that, I was in a wheelchair. You took a chance because hell, man, you got to put your feet on the gas well, and the brake. That, all that, I was fine. When okay, I was right. Because you said you sit down, down I, you can do, okay. I can do everything. Right. I was fine. All right. And, but over time, it progressed to get worse. Mm. So at that time, it was at the infancy stages of it. Mm -hmm. So I went in, they checked me, make, they always checked to make sure it has nothing to do with my leukemia. Mm -hmm. It was like, it has nothing to do with it at all. Really? Man, I went through EMGs and cat, every scan <laughs> imaginable, Ken, I went through. Wow. And I remember talking to the spine surgeon mm. and he looked me in my eye and he said, I asked him, I said, if I was your son, what would you do? He was like, Jarvis, look, that's what I do. I put people on the table. That's what I do as a profession. I don't see anything that I can put you on the table and it's going to change anything what you're doing, what's happening with you right mm. now. Because nothing is coming back on any of these resources coming in. They don't know in. what the heck it is. Nothing. So I said, so well, if I was your son, what would you tell me to do? He said, I would tell you to continue to pray because I know you You have a faith and start going to physical therapy. All right, therapy. I rode into physical therapy in a wheelchair and I remember when I left, the ladies was like, Wait a minute, Mr. Goodman, didn't you come in here in a wheelchair two months ago? Wow. I was literally jogging out of there. It just one day it just stopped. Just went away. I just started getting stronger mm. through physical therapy and prayer. Wow. Yeah, no medicine, absolutely nothing. That's deep, man. Yeah, man. That's deep. But you got a lot of people looking out for you, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. My, my brother and I joke all the time and say, even the stuff that we did as kids, mm -hmm. we had a praying mother, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did, too. Everybody said that. Man, your grandmother was looking out for you big time. And I understand that, man. Yeah. I totally get it. So I want to talk a little bit about moving out of that and your involvement with young men has been something that you did a lot of your life and most of your career and, and mentoring and whether it's in sports, coaching and things of that nature. I want to talk just a little bit as we go through about Shaker and your involvement over at Shaker. And the reason why I bring that up is because I know that was, you did a lot of work in that program there from the outside looking in from what I remember leaving off. And I even to the point that I know you changed the vision with them and you guys went to a championship, didn't you guys? Went to the playoffs. Went to the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would be, and again, there's things that you take from people and things you leave with people. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I took from Roski, okay. he, he's a winner, man. There's nothing right. else you can say about the guy. He's a winner, mm -hmm. you know, and he always had a three-year plan. Mm -hmm. And once you learned that three-year plan, mm -hmm. and then on top of learning those things from him, and coupling that with what I learned from the guys I, that coached me, Coach Allen, Coach A.V., mm -hmm. those guys, Coach Marquis, know that all of those guys, man, were very influential to me. But then when I really learned that someone who really took me under their wing, mm -hmm. and that was Coach Bill Powers. Okay. Like that guy, mine, mm -hmm. football-wise, is off the charts, man. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. And um, so putting his plan together, mixing in with some others, and then adding my own flavor to it, our first year we went two and eight. Second year we went eight and two. Third year we're in the playoffs. Mm. Yeah. So if you look at me when I was at South High School, first year city championship, second year city championship, third year state playoffs. And you got quite a few guys, some scholarships out oh, of yeah, that round, right? Yeah. That second year, I would say, but I think it was the second year we had. 10 guys mm -hmm. on D1? Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's why I wanted to mention that. You, it was a big deal what came out of Shaker yeah. that year. You yeah, did we, pretty we well. had some guys, man. I was blessed. Mm -hmm. Some of those, Most of those guys were there already. Mm -hmm. Then you had a couple who came in mm -hmm. uh, that added to the flavor. You, you, we had guys going to the SEC, Big mm -hmm. Ten, wow. to the Patriot League, you know, mm -hmm. book now. I mean, we had some players that year. Mm -hmm. And for that, those three years, because I've always had seen, look, every time you look up, Shaker had someone going to the Big Ten. Okay. But the record wasn't that that, that good. They didn't jive with each other. Mm -hmm. And then when I got there, I found out why. You got a lot of individuals. They were okay. very talented. Okay. But it was all about I, me, 
I'm trying to get my. You no, know, Shaker always had that attitude. And I don't know anything about that. Yeah, they always I had just, that. I can just tell you what happened when I was. And trying. I'm going to tell you, is that in almost all the little suburban schools, like the Shaker, the Cleveland Heights, and I'll say it as a spoiled mentality <laughs> of the parents and the kids that always make them, hey, I'm the fastest kid in the school. I'm the. There's always been that thing about them that makes them that way. You're right. It, the coaches like you, the Roskies, and those who's going to take kids in and be like team and build them are going to get the success out of them because, like you say, the talent be there. Yeah, talent is there. And, talent and that, be and there. That, and that's one thing with Roski as well as Coach Powers, especially mm -hmm. Coach Powers. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to do what you want to do, especially right. with Coach Powers. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you just have to learn that most kids want discipline. Correct. It's just a matter of who's giving them the discipline mm -hmm. and how you're presenting. And I, one thing I learned, especially from Powers, is Every kid has a different personality. Mm -hmm. So what you do with this kid is not what you're going to do with that kid. Mm -hmm. And one of his models was always, I'm not going to treat everyone the same, mm -hmm. but I'm going to treat everyone fairly. Okay. And as long as I go by that model, I've mm -hmm. had success with it. Mm -hmm. And I would tell you, every program, it's just a matter of going in and from day one, it's just like a teacher in a classroom. Mm -hmm. You set the tone for your classroom from day one. You don't wait until three weeks later to say, okay, we're going to change some things up. Mm -hmm. You set the tone sometimes, but you're going to lose some kids. That happens. Mm -hmm. But those are the ones who don't want to be disciplined. Oh, they don't want to be disciplined. Anyway. disciplined they, they can't help you win anyway. Let exactly. Going about their business. And I tell kids this all the time. When you try to threaten me saying that you're going to leave my program to go somewhere else, God bless you. Mm -hmm. yeah, I probably know that, Coach. I'll even make a phone <laughs> right. call for you. Because I want every kid to succeed. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not the one that's going to get out of you what needs to come out of you, I prefer you to go to someone who will get that out of you. Mm -hmm. But you're going to find out they're not doing anything different than no, me. No. It's never different. No, it's never it's different. It's who you want to listen to. It's who you want to listen to. I used to, I, and I say this all the time. I told them, I used to tell my kids all the time, man, you learn something from every coach, yeah. the good ones and the bad ones. Yep. Bad coach is going to teach you something. A good coach is going to yep. teach you something because, like you say, most of the time, it's usually the same stuff. It's mm -hmm. just how you're going to receive it mm -hmm. and how they told you. But the drill is the drill. It, but you know what I found out, Ken, mm -hmm. is that – You'll get kids when they're young mentally, mm -hmm. and you're trying to groom them. Mm -hmm. And when it's time for them to mature, okay. that's when they'll leave and go somewhere else. Interesting. And now it's the thing of, oh, somebody else got, no, they just matured at this time. And they were tired of me telling them mm -hmm. you can't do something. Correct. But then guess what? When they get over there, mm -hmm. and that's when you'll typically find out is that everybody's on the same page over there. Or sometimes, especially when you first come into a program, mm -hmm. because you have a lot of I, me. Okay. No one's working together. Mm -hmm. So they're looking out for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then once you get the culture, because typically it's just a culture shift. You have to change the culture when you go in. Mm -hmm. But as you're working to change that culture, you're going to lose some people. But those folks, if you lose somebody, like I lost a couple kids to Roski mm -hmm. over at Euclid. They both came back. Man, I would tell you, they, they came back to credit recovery. Mm. So, yeah, go ahead and go. But you're going to find out it's different. I All care right. about you. Right. I want to make sure this is being done the mm -hmm. right way. Mm-hmm. And number one for me is always academics. And I learned that from with my coach in high school, Coach A.V. Mm -hmm. I was back in 87, 88. We was having study tables back then. Yeah, he mandated it for us. So that, that that's nothing new for us. Mm -hmm. I've always known about it. You think sports in high school is going down? I wouldn't say it's going down. I think it's because of social media. Mm-hmm. And this thing of I, me, everyone's, it's about them now. Think about the NIL is about you getting paid. Okay. You're getting what you want, what's your, what you believe is your worth. But on a high school level, like if you take the city of Cleveland, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's one or two programs that kids are going to go to. That's just the reality of it. All the other programs you look up, they may not even win a game outside of the league. Do you think the city of Cleveland ought to do an all-city School, like all city football, all city basketball. I, I, I would say no to that because mm -hmm. you have, remember, you have different neighborhoods. Okay. Okay. You have 10, 12 different neighborhoods. Kids come from all over the place. And I don't think it's fair to make a kid travel all the way over there. But here's what I, my honest opinion that I believe is what's hurting the city of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Some say it's okay. I disagree with it, which is you have to be a part of the union to be a coach. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, you have to be a union member to be a coach. Oh, you have to be a teacher? No, not I'm going to say you have to be a teacher. You have to be part of the union. Because every teacher is not in a union. Yeah, most teachers are. Yeah, teachers are in a union. But okay. there's other ways. Like, you can be a substitute teacher. I see what you're you saying. You can be this, you All can right. be that. But you just have to be a part of that union. Okay. Because it's in their, it's actually in their contracts. Mm -hmm. It's written in their contract. Mm -hmm. You have to be part of the union to get these jobs. Now, there's ways around it. Because, again, principals control their buildings. Mm -hmm. But, you know, do they want to buck that system? 
Mm-hmm. But when and then when you look at it, they're picking from the same pool. Okay. So if this team went on ten and there was a coach on that staff and another job opens up, mm-hmm. well, guess what pool you're picking from? Every that team went on ten and that's who you just gave your head coaching job to. He came from an ON ten program. What really are they gonna do? ON ten. <laughs> and again, that happens sometimes people get better. Mm-hmm. But I believe as long as they continue to have that rule set up. Mm-hmm. And I understand why the rule is there. I really do. But how is the rule hurting? I don't get it. Because you can't pick from anyone outside of the union to coach. They have to be a part of the union to be a coach. You think coaching is the issue? Part of it. Let's look at it this way. And the reason why I said. If, if you have a football program that goes 0-10 for three or four years in a row, mm-hmm. who do you think? what do you think the problem is? Talent and there, coach. It, it, there you go. My point was, that's why I said citywide, isn't, shouldn't it be that they, they have a situation where they have the best of the Cleveland has to offer in basketball, the best that we had to offer in football and that, and you actually went to this school? So that's what you did. Not to say that one school has to be the school that's all football. The one school that does it all. Maybe it, it, it this all, school is, is about basketball. It already, <laughs> already is. Yeah, it you, already you, is. You can that. dance around it all you want to dance around. It already well, is. Well, you know what? I guess you got a point. <laughs> I guess you got a point. There is. Now, a- but I would tell you, it's not saying that you can't be successful, though. Because remember, I was at Cleveland South High School. We were successful at Cleveland South High School. We went to the state playoffs for the first time in school history. Right. And only guess how many kids and I had twenty five players on my team, and we won a division two, not division four, five, or six, or seven that they right. have now. We won right. a division two. We had twenty five kids on the team. Mm-hmm. You, you, you had some talent though. But I wouldn't got that talent, Ken. Okay. I'm listen. I'm out at little league games. Yeah. I'm out at. That's you know, the coaching part you're talking th- th- about. Th- exactly. Go okay. to the go recruit those kids. But mm-hmm. now you got to also give them a product because right. you can go recruit me all you want to. But what product are you selling me? My product has always been actually our beyond the field program. Mm-hmm. That's the program that we run. That program is running behind the scenes of our football side of things. The football side is the easy part for me. Mm-hmm. These kids go through so much, Ken. Mm-hmm. They need so much help off the field. Mm-hmm. That's why we end up, because we was always doing the work, but then originally we started a program that was called Honorable Men of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to Shaker, I actually had a couple kids that were females that was on my team. Oh, really? So we had, yeah. So we had really? to do that. They were part of the, I had a young lady who was a law, she was a lineman. They weren't kickers. She was a lineman. A lineman? Yeah. A shaker? A shaker, yeah. Varsity? No, she played, I would say she played freshman at JV. Oh, I just asked. <laughs> and then when, she, when it was time to move up to that varsity level, she, she, she had know, to, yeah. Because things get bigger, stronger. Oh, yeah. Faster, I was going to say, I know? did. But I would tell you, I can yeah. remember, because our freshman JV kind of team mm-hmm. was playing a Central Catholic. Mm-hmm. And she literally, it was a scrimmage game. Mm-hmm. And she drove this kid about five or 10 yards <laughs> down the field, man. And I was like, Whoa. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, deep. but so we had to change the name. Mm-hmm. And then when we start trying to shop the program to other schools and mm-hmm. districts, they start asking the question, can we do this with other programs, not okay. just a football program? Mm-hmm. So like now we're over at Warrensville. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a good transition. Okay. So that's the Jarvis Gibson Foundation yep. program that yes, you sir. do there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. The Jarvis Gibson Foundation is a foundation, and what do you do exactly? We have, we have a couple of signature programs. Okay, mm-hmm. So one signature program is Honorable Men of Tomorrow, and that's mm-hmm. how everything began. But that's more for our 6th, 7th, 8th graders, mm-hmm. like middle school age kids. It's the same curriculum, but some things kind of change. Mm-hmm. But then on the high school levels are beyond the field program. And that's mm-hmm. what we work with. Because Honorable Men of Tomorrow is not scholar athletes. Okay. Beyond the field is 100% scholar athletes. Okay. So we have all of the athletic programs in Warrensville High School. Okay. We have football, boys and girls basketball, volleyball, mm-hmm. softball, baseball, mm-hmm. boys and girls track, wrestling. Mm-hmm. We have all of it. Actually, the cheerleading team, they're all a part of our programs. It's like 125, 130 kids. Wow. Yeah. So I could tell you we went in and... I'd like to go, <clears throat> Coach Swift and Coach jo- and Superintendent Jolly, they had a goal of a 2.9. And I would tell you probably 75, 80% of the programs are above a 2.9. So what is the program? The program beyond the field is exactly what it says. It's everything beyond that playing field. Mm-hmm. Whatever field of sport that may be. That's the baseball. So give me an example. Okay. Like I'm on a student, I'm on the football team. Mm-hmm. I heard you got this program, mm-hmm. Coach. 
what do you do you say you gotta have something to offer what are you offering okay first of all it's mandatory okay so oh, if you're so you're yeah, athlete you gotta go you have to be a part of beyond the field okay because so let's for instance we have three or four days a week we have mandatory study table okay it happens immediately after school mm-hmm. and you got folks there to help them that's me Mm-hmm. That's me. I, we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coaches stop in and they, they help out. But our goal is to tell the coach, you know what? You worry about everything on right, the field. Right, exactly. We're going to take this off your plate. Because remember, I did it before. Correct. I know what it takes to be someone mm-hmm. doing stuff on the field as well as off the field. Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, we had our success mm-hmm. is when I was able to step away because I had good coaches on my staff, but I was able to do and maintain the things off the field that these kids need. So you'll find out, and people think just because I was in Shaker, or because I was at St. Peter Chanel, that these kids and families didn't have issues. They have the same no, they issues had, they interceded. They had, they had, a lot of them But had. people don't think that, Ken. I would tell you, when I first got to Shaker, as soon as I would say, well, I'm in Shaker, oh, well, you don't need any help. You're good. What makes you think that? Because one thing I would say, Shaker masks a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So unless you're on the inside, there's a lot of things that go on that you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm totally surprised at how much stuff is on the media now, in the media now, mm-hmm. because of the stuff that happens to Shaker. Before, you never heard about it. Mm-hmm. It took place. You yeah. just never heard about it. Yeah. Okay, but going back to the program, so let's say school is out at 3 o'clock, 310, they can report to me, 310, 345. So we have a what we're doing now is called a training table. Mm-hmm. So we actually give the kids, because we're on this health like health and wellness right now. Okay. So they come and they get a healthy meal. So that may be a turkey sandwich, you know, a salad, mm-hmm. vegetable salad, fruit salad, something healthy. Because a lot of these kids don't eat mm-hmm. nourishment, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't eat breakfast. Most throw the lunch in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And at night, they're eating fast food. You look up and kids are doing Uber Eats and all that's, kinds that's, of stuff that, coming that, into the building. Tell me about it. We they be having them come to the building. Coming to the building. <laughs> they literally drop because they don't eat lunch. They don't eat lunch. Wow. So when school, allowed, they were like, Coach, can I go to the... I'm like, where are you going? Oh, my food's here. Really? And they come in and they have the number one places they go to get these chicken wings across the street at the gas station. That's where they go to chicken wings and fries. So look, we're not doing that anymore. So mm-hmm. actually we're partnering with the Cleveland Clinic. Okay. Cleveland Clinic is one of our partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of fatherhood initiative. So we were Al Grimes and those You're guys. Right. So we've been working with some folks. Mm-hmm. So when the kids come in, they will get a healthy meal, mm-hmm. healthy snack, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But then after practice, they'll also get a post-practice snack. Okay. And then what we're implementing now with our spring sports is like a pilot program is we're also going to have a sit-down dinner once a month. Okay. And that sit-down dinner is where the, all of the players come in who's in season, coaches be involved, our partners from the community are involved. Mm-hmm. And so if there's six of us at this table, there's a note on the table. And that note has a topic of conversation. Okay. There are no cell phones allowed, mm-hmm. and you have to talk about that topic. Okay. It's pretty much us getting these kids to call, talk nowadays mm-hmm. because nowadays they don't know how to talk. Everything is digital. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. texting. Okay. Yeah. No phones are even allowed. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like how we grew up. Sit at the table with grandma, with mom, dad. Mm-hmm. Let's find out what's going on with you. Correct. Because those are the things that they do when they come see me. Because most of the time the kids come see me during their lunch breaks. Okay. When they come see me, it's basically lunch with Coach Gibbs. So they mm. come in, they grab their lunch, they come in, we just sit down. So they have a D or F on their weekly report. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a look at this D and this F. Why do you have this? Mm-hmm. Typically, Ken, 95% of the time, it's missing assignments. Correct. That's all it is. It's not that they're not capable. Mm-hmm. They're just missing assignments. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, let's put a contingency plan together. Mm-hmm. Make sure these assignments are done. Okay, so if you have six in this class, when you come see me, three of these need to be done. That's correct. When you show up at study table, we're going to get these two done before you leave. Mm-hmm. That way, my job is to make sure you're on the field. Mm. I don't want you sitting out because if you get more than one F that week, you're not allowed to play. So how many people in your staff? It's just me. Just you. Yeah. you do, so you're doing the whole school. Yeah. Because wow. you got to remember, I only have them in season. Okay. Now, oh, I got only you. only in season. I got, got so, you. So but now, depending on the season, you can have more kids because like the football team. Well, the season is your heaviest then. Game. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. But here's the thing, though, Ken. Mm-hmm. It's available year-round. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're not saying you can't come. We're just saying it's mandated mm-hmm. that you have to come during this time. I got you. But you'll still get kids come in. But see, before the kids really understood it, mm-hmm. they just thought, oh, we just got to go there for study tape. No, no, no. We do everything else. So we also help you write your essays for college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We help you fill out your FAFSA forms. We partner with college now okay. to do those things. We take kids on trips to schools. Like I took some kids during football season, okay. John Carroll game. Mm-hmm. Took them out to dinner, took them out to lunch. Okay. We just said, what's going on in your world? 
mm-hmm. outside of football, outside of basketball. Okay. What we do is now that we just got this implemented, the people that's going off to college, because now it's a big thing of these things called transitional trunks. We now give them transitional trunks when they go off to college. Okay. We send them care packages three or four times a year. Okay. These are things that we're starting to implement. That's excellent. Um, we got YOU, we got the Cleveland Clinic, the Lou Stokes mm-hmm. uh, in- internship program. So those type of things, we push our kids towards those things. Mm-hmm. So when you come into us to see us three days a week, some kids may say, because I don't have any work to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be this. Okay, have you started looking at that field? Mm-hmm. We have, like, we have one young lady now who works with Dr. Brooks, who's actually a friend of mine who went to case with us, Dr. Simpson, mm-hmm. another person who's also a pediatrician. So we get people in, involved with mentors who are in the profession they would like to go into, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way we, we, we do with it. So, so it's not just study table. So are you, your plans is to try to get in more schools? Absolutely. Or? That's the ultimate goal. Yep. The goal is to start with one school, which we're in now, mm-hmm. then a branch out to another district mm-hmm. and then wherever we can be utilized within a city mm-hmm. in the area, then go statewide and then go country. Because here's the thing, the program actually used to exist back in the day. Okay. A lot of people just didn't know about it. So mm-hmm. like with CMSD, it was actually in CMSD. Guess okay. what school it was in? What, South High? No. Where? What school started turning things around and went to the playoffs for the first time? In the oh, Glenville. There we go. It was really? behind the scenes. It was called Play It Smart. No mm-hmm. one knew about it. Really? No one knew about it. It was behind the scenes working. So the person that was actually running that program mm-hmm. actually helped me co-write the program. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Dr. Anthony. Excellent. Another case grad as well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so she, but also Montel Sanders, who's the president of my, my board. Mm-hmm. He, he actually was with the Jets as an assistant. Mm-hmm. And now he's the director of player engagement for the Las Vegas Raiders. So wow. those two actually helped me write the program. Mm-hmm. So everything that they're doing on that level of the professional level and the collegiate level is what we're doing on the high school level. Okay. Yeah. So do you anticipate after this year, or how long has this program been existing? This, is, this has been our second year within uh-huh. Warrenfield. Now, remember, I've always been doing the program. Uh-huh. We just It was just called something. It was called Honorable Men of Tomorrow. Honorable. We just had to switch the name up. To get it in the schools. Because of now we're dealing with females. So do you think you high school is the better place for that or a middle school? Actually, middle school. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it's middle school. So That's why I asked So that. we began in the high school, mm-hmm. and shout out to Coach A.D. Swift. He mm-hmm. actually wants it to then go to the middle school. Right. And now, so in Warrensville, they're actually building, and also Superintendent Jolly, they're actually building the middle school and the high school on the same campus. Correct. So this is where now it transitions mm-hmm. into the middle school as well. All right. Because now, I'll be honest with you, Ken, it actually should go all the way down mm-hmm. to the Little League kids. Because here's the thing, Ken. If you get kids in a program, and they know what's expected of them, it makes it much easier. Oh, oh it makes it much easier. And, and going back to old Mr. Roski, which was one of his theories, because when he was at Heights, everything was all Heights, down to even the, uh, what was it, the Muni team. Yeah. He sponsored the Muni team, so the That's kids, they were learning the same formations, plays, yeah. and, and everything and, and from middle that, school the all the way blows through. my mind, Ken, is that there's no reason why Every city school should not have a feeder program. Correct. There's because I we actually started to try to begin maybe four years ago. We tried to put together a little league team, mm-hmm. and we were actually right house right at we was working out at John Adams High School, mm-hmm. and that coach just never wanted to get on the same page with us, which I couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Now I have my reasons of why he didn't want to do it, but then when you look up, they all play on your fields. Mm-hmm. They actually start to practice on your fields now. So mm-hmm. now I believe Powell Six is practicing at John Adams. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? At East Tech, Lonnie Burton, they practice on the same field. At Glenville, guess what? You have the Glenville A's, and, and mm-hmm. but he has a program around the entire city now. But every – Collinwood. Mm-hmm. Col- there's no reason why there shouldn't be a feeder program at Collinwood. John F. Kennedy. There's, there's no reason there's why Collinwood schools, is even open. There ain't but, nobody in there. But the thing <laughs> is, you still have a program. You got you have two Collinwood teams, right. Little League teams. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they shouldn't be feeding Collinwood High School. That's true. But that, they're that, not. They're not. They, they, but I think this is where you can change things. Mm-hmm. You know, with Jason Dunn, I talk to J.D. all the time. Look, man, I think here's the blueprint that we need to get going within the city. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, everybody's going, on. Oh, no, we don't need to do that. Every school that I just named, John Marshall, they have a field. Guess what? There's Little League teams around them. They should be feeding that program. Mm-hmm. East Tech, they literally practice on the same field. That's that correct. That program should be feeding them. That's correct. Okay. John Adams, there's a program that's right there on their practice field. Mm-hmm. They should be. There's two or three around them. Mm-hmm. They should be feeding that program. John F. Kennedy, 
You have George Monroe All-Stars and a couple others right around the school. They should be feeding that program. Just like at Warrensville now, we have the little Warrensville Tigers. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're right there with us. You have the middle school there. Then you have the high school. So what he was doing over there, if you take a look at a mentor program, why do you think men are so successful? Oh, yeah. No doubt. That's why they're so successful. There's no doubt. And I just blows my mind of why we just can't get that together and make it happen. Because that's the way it should be happening. Because whatever you're running up there, they should be running all the way down the league. They're not investing the money properly. In I don't that. think it's that. I really don't, Ken. I really don't think it's the money. Because one thing I would tell you, there's certain superintendents around here in the mm-hmm. ADs. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's, they want to win, too. Don't think they don't. They no, but well, they need to start winning then, Coach. Oh, there ain't nothing stopping them. There ain't nothing stopping them. But air and opportunity. It's just I like agree. you said, the damn football team practicing here, and they right there. Yeah. And ain't nothing stopping them but that coach walking over to this coach saying, we're going to build a feeder team together so we can do that. It's not happening because their interests are different. Yeah, I agree. I- and this feeder program, the Little League program, is fighting against the bigger program because it ain't enough dollars in the middle to feed both of them in some well, cases. Here's what I would say about And when what? I'm talking muni, when I'm talking yeah, yeah. school, yeah. because <laughs> schools all work on a budget. Yeah. So new uniforms, the ability to have people yeah, come there, you'll, you'll be surprised all of that. Yeah, the people who run those Little League programs, mm-hmm. they – they they get all kind of grants. That's the little league program. That's, little league program. That's yeah. different than the high school program. Now, I remember, Ken, I was in the high school at South. Right. Okay. What we did was, and it's all it's nothing but initiative, Ken. Mm-hmm. So when we first got there, because again, things I learned from Coach Powers, mm-hmm. right? When we get there, I went to my AD because I knew what kind of money they get from downtown. Every mm-hmm. believe it or not, every high school gets the same amount of money to their school, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. I went to her and said, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Don't force me to go play St. Ed's, St. Ignatius, those type of schools, mm-hmm. getting our kids beat up mm-hmm. just so you can make money to feed your programs. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Allow me to pick my own teams that I would like to play, and we'll make up that money on the back end by going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize, Ken, is you actually get per diem money mm-hmm. from the state if you make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So allow me to make some Make mm-hmm. some moves, mm-hmm. but also what I'm doing is so, like you would say, strategic moves. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing but strategic. I'm That's correct. Strategically, Ken. So instead of me going to play those teams, let me go play some teams that I know I can probably play with. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We end up beating those teams, right? Mm-hmm. So now we also start doing fundraisers. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a fundraiser three or four times a year. We made good money. And then the year that we actually made the playoffs, that's when I met the guy who we talked about earlier, Mario Marino. Mm-hmm. He was actually, he's actually a South High grad. He's mm-hmm. also a case grad. Mm-hmm. But he came to me and he said, because he read the article, and he said he wanted to meet me through Terry Pluto. And I've been working with him ever since. That was in 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. And he started helping me and learning. And then that's actually how I got going with the foundation. Mm-hmm. Because he asked me one day, he said, Jarvis, if I give you this money, are you nonprofit? I didn't even... It never even dawned on me. Mm-hmm. And then a re- really good friend of mine was like, Jarvis, why don't you start the foundation and be a nonprofit? And I'm going to tell you, even when I started the foundation as being a nonprofit, I, I was like, well, how do you make money? Mm-hmm. Well, you go get grants, you do donations. Was, Jarvis, just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you can't make money. Like, for instance, most people don't realize Cleveland Clinic Foundation, it's a foundation, it's a nonprofit All the hospitals are foundations. There you go. <laughs> they make a lot of money again. Yes. So what we do is we start doing programming. Mm-hmm. Now the programming now helps feeds it, but then now from a real estate side of things, we also help fund things that way as well. Mm-hmm. But going back to Mario Marino, he just started giving me things or helping me, got some things from him, and now and it's all about being resourceful, Ken. Mm-hmm. Once you start to be resourceful, there's grant dollars out there, there's fundraisers out there, you can go get the money that you need, but you also have to have a vision. Yeah, vision. You know, it's not just going to hand you money with no vision. Well, the point I was making is that there's a difference when you come, that transition coming out of Muni football, middle school, going into high school. When your kid's a small kid and everything, the parents are 110% there. They're at every game. They're spending every dollar they can. Mm-hmm. They're spending it there. They're spending it with Mark Harris. They're spending it all the way up until they get to just about in the high school when that little dude's big enough that they can really look him in the eye and be like, is I'm going to keep spending this money on you or are you going to keep talking back to me and not yeah, going to practice and true. this and that? And you get a lot of that, and mm-hmm. that's where the fall off comes. Yeah. 
And that's where the parents stop coming. They'll come to the game if you're going to play. That's when they're little. That's when they're little. And when, when, you, when get you get in high school, I'm going to come to the game and see you in the stand. But my financial commitment isn't as great. And that's where I'm talking about. Yeah, I know the money, in, but that financial commitment from the parents, the buy-in from the parents and all of that, usually don't come to a good program until, like you say, you do what it takes as a coach to get noticed. So that people can say, oh, you starting to win. What are y'all doing over there at Shaker? What has you got going over there, Coach, right. that makes your program to a point that now you got eyes on it that people want to invest in it? That's why I say those feeder programs doesn't work because the Muni folks don't want to mix with the high school coaches. And here goes another reason is that once my kid, and this is just how we are, my kid was an all-star. Everybody's all-star. My kid was an all-star in Muni <laughs> and middle school. Now I'm going to meet Coach Gibson. Yeah. And I'm telling Coach I'm super parent. Uh, I do everything for I done raised thousands of dollars for the Muni team, but my boy better be starting. And then I, that's where the rubber always meet the road, well, and that's you, where would, it always fall this. off. I've at. never had that issue again mm -hmm. because, again, it's my program. It's not your program. And that's why – and, no, <laughs> hold on. They agree with you. Mm -hmm. And that's when they say, you got him, Coach. He's there. I'll make sure he had practice for you. I'm headed to work. And that's where I say the yeah, fall here, off, here, fall here, out, and I think here. that's where we lose our buy-in. And that's could, where I could think be, could yeah. be, but I'll say this, Ken. Mm -hmm. That's why our program is written as if there's no parent at home. And that's the best way. And that's what I'm saying. That's now, why I'm saying it works. Now, we want the parent to be involved yes. because here's what I yes. always say, Ken. You have these kids yes. for three hours a day. Mm -hmm. There's another 21 hours in that day. Yes. What's happening to those kids when they leave you? We need that cup to come back at least half full. As long as it doesn't come back empty, we have something to go off of. So it starts with the kid. Yeah, yeah. But then let's find out what's going on at home. That's correct. Let's get the parents involved. We want That's parent correct. involvement. That's, That's the key to all of this. So if you looked at our success wheel, beyond the field sits in the middle. Mm -hmm. You'll see teacher, administration, mm -hmm. community, parents. We all have to work together. Mm -hmm. I come from the background of it takes a village to raise a child. I'm still there. We just want to be a part of that village. So we need everybody to work together. Don't put it all on one person. So when I come to you, mm -hmm. I want your best. I don't want you to be a jack of all trades. Just master one thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever you master, I want you to come in and be a part of that for mm -hmm. us. That's what we need to do. When we get there, Ken, because that's the way that I've always done my programs. Give them just like with you, okay? We have a parent who wants to be involved. Mm -hmm. How can you help me, Mr. Mr. Ken? You said, Coach, I can help you in this area. Mm -hmm. Okay, once you get a couple more parents to work with you, mm -hmm. these are some of the things that we need. Mm -hmm. You guys handle that for us. And that's what I'm trying to get these coaches to understand where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you. That's correct. You handle what's on the field. Give mm -hmm. me everything off the field. I got you. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the way it should be, man. And I'm a real opponent for that because I was always the PTA something. Every time, every last one of the kids. And it was a trip. Anthony was at where I was with Roski, did four years there. All four years in the PTA. The first year I wasn't there. I was under somebody. After that, all the seniors left. It was nobody <laughs> left but me and one yeah. other parent. Right. And Roski program, he had almost 200 kids in that football program because he did the, all of them. Mm -hmm. and, and it was only about five or six of our parents. Dan did that for four years. After that, Kennedy comes around softball. Mm -hmm. Four years. Yeah. Now, the softball program, same thing. When she got there with some parents there, couldn't wait to see me walk through right. the door. Because they was like, hey, we did this for four years, we out. And I'm sitting there, and I was two other parents in there. Did yeah. that for four. Then my middle daughter come in. Same thing. Kennedy leaving, she coming in. I did four more years on the same but booster. Ken, and that's what I'm saying. Like no, I get it. Like but the my point is, to what we're saying beyond the field and what you're doing and what's so important about what you're doing, my point is that, a lot of those parents, those kids' parents was not at those games. That's true. A lot That's of those true. parents and those kids' parents was not contributing. They was not helping them pay for the little extras that you needed in order for your program to be better. Because, yes, you do want to get grant dollars and money to help them to get some experience. You you got a coach. You got a small window. Because, hell, even with y'all, they only give y'all a small window that y'all can even coach in. Yeah. So you even got this window that you got. So it's all of that. And the better programs are the ones. And I guess this was a long way for me to go around saying what you said in the beginning are the ones that the muni program and the middle school program and the high school they sure. all are cohesive cohesively working together yeah. because you want your kid to know the head coach 
of the high school team when he's in middle school. So when you or get younger, there or, or younger, younger. and mm-hmm. uh, elementary when they play in yeah. Muni yeah. so that he's looking up to him so he can know, yeah, I can't wait I to play. see. That's where I want to play. And, and until we can build that sense of community mm-hmm. in the city of Cleveland more over, I think it's going to be an issue. Some of the suburbs do a pretty decent job of trying to do that, but the city of Cleveland's meeting. Now, I got one more question for you, Coach, and I'm going to round you on out of here. Okay. I've been looking at this, and you do a lot of mentoring, and you do a lot with these kids and everything, man. I was looking at the crime statistics of what's going on in the city of Cleveland, and really out here in Euclid, man. Euclid is like a hot yeah. dead I don't know what's going on. Euclid to the point, I was listening to an accident. They were talking about the people stealing cars and stuff yeah. out of Euclid. And I literally thought to myself, was like, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid driving through Euclid because I don't want to get involved yeah. in the damn police chase because they're constantly chasing people in the city of Euclid. Kids are, they're kids. The last group was 13 years old. They're yeah. stealing cars and kids say, hey, I done stole so many cars. And you know what he said he would get for the cars that he stole? You know how much money he said he was getting? What? 10 bucks a car. Wow. Wow. 10 bucks a car. Now, I'm not trying to say anything, but I grew up in Glenville, East 105, St. Clair, out in the hood. Okay. We had a share of car deeds in the days back then. I'm pretty sure the guy I knew was stealing cars was getting more than $10. <laughs> I'm pretty sure well, I, they were getting more than 10 So to say that, they're just stealing them for fun. Yeah. They're stealing them for fun. So yeah. what's going on with our young brothers, Coach, man? What can we do, man? These guns, all of this, man. I ask everybody on the show this question. I know I'm waiting on somebody to sit down and be like, aha, he I, got I, an answer. I, I would say this, Ken. There is no one correct answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, Again, it's going to take a village. Mm-hmm. That's why I say once you get all of these parts of this success wheel working together, mm-hmm. because if this kid turns this way, they need someone right there. Mm-hmm. If they turn this way, they need someone right there. Mm-hmm. Until that occurs, Ken, and you're getting them at a young age, like you had Judge Ryan on your show. Judge Ryan comes in every year to speak to our kids during our mentoring Mondays, right? Mm-hmm. He told me, he'll tell you, I get kids coming here at 10 years old. Okay, so what are you doing? To, okay, what? a lot of these kids, Ken, are in survival mode. That's correct. They're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. So I remember I had a good friend of mine who mother who car got jacked mm-hmm. because she was taking groceries into her mom's house. Turned around, a kid jumped in the car and took off in the car. I want to say mm-hmm. they found a kid. He was 12 years old. Wow. And what they said when they found the kid was the kid said he was taking the car so he can try to get money to eat because his mom was in jail. He was at home by himself. Mm. No one knew the kid was even at home by himself. Mm. And a lot of this stuff now is because it's, it's a game. Everything is on social media. Social media has its good points, mm-hmm. but also has its bad points. Now you got the Kia boys and everything else is going on, and they're learning how to, okay, you just need this to put it in there, and you can steal a car. Okay, I need to get on the other side of town. They'll jack somebody and take the car just to get on the other side of town. If you notice, a lot of the cars, they're not damaged. Mm-hmm. They're just on the other side of town just sitting there. Mm-hmm. That's what's starting to happen, Ken. It's just, I don't know the answer to it, but... They need to start getting more programs with these kids, but not only just programs, because it's easy to say we have a program for a kid. You need a program where they're going to give you factual numbers because there is a lot of misinformation that's going on with these programs in these schools. Mm-hmm. They're saying that they're doing these things with these kids. Oh, ain't just the, it's not just in the schools. It's, it's a lot of programs in general is out here doing the exact same thing. You're right. I'm 100% and, and that's with where, you. It gets on my nerves where because they have the big name Mm -hmm. or the commercial name, Mm -hmm. they'll get grant money. They'll get Mm -hmm. funding. Mm -hmm. But you'll get someone where it's people that's doing things what they call grassroots. Mm -hmm. You know, like our program, our Honorable Men of Tomorrow. We're grassroots. Mm -hmm. Now, we're starting to move up the ranks a little bit with getting grant money and learning other things about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But if you look up at the big name program, they'll get millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Guess what they're really doing? They're not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. And when you ask them for data, they're not even giving you true numbers. It's factual. It's just not factual numbers. Wow. But they continue to get the money. They'll just pump those programs with money. And it's just because of the name. Mm-hmm. But you have some grassroots programs out here like ours that's really doing some amazing things. Mm-hmm. But they don't get the reckon we don't get the recognition for it. And mm-hmm. I don't it's the, for me, it's not even about the recognition. Just help us when we need the help. Mm-hmm. Because Again, we're grassroots. We're going to be here doing the little things that these kids need. We're not just going to be a babysitter for the kids to come in after after school and they're here for an hour or two and then they go home. But what are they going home to? We take it a step further. We know what's going on here, but we also want to know what's going on at home too. We want to make sure that kid cups come back half full. 
That's excellent, Coach. Hey, man, I really appreciate you coming out to our program, man. Did an excellent job, Coach. Appreciate and it. In all fair and all typical fashion of our program, we ended by letting you have this camera right there, sir. You get an opportunity to look in that camera, man. Talk to the people. Tell the people anything uh, you want. Fresh Sour uh, say, is this camera on there? <laughs> that one right there. <laughs> and, and let them know, man. Make sure you give them the contact information. I will have all of Coach's information in the description on the bottom where you can get all his social media contacts as well as links to his website. But he's going to give you some information about what he's doing and how you can get involved. So go ahead, Coach. Okay, we have the Jarvis Gibson Foundation, our website is Jarvis Gibson www.jarvisgibsonfoundation.org. Our email is jarvisgibsonfoundation at gmail.com. Phone number 216-470-9029. You can go to the website and find out a lot of things that we're doing. We're starting to increase our social media, read some things like that. But our big program is Honorable Men of Tomorrow, and that's for your 6th, 7th, 8th graders. So if there's any schools out there that really want a program that's going to come in and really we teach chess, we have... People that come in, one of the Cody brothers come in and they teach software engineering, teach coding. We just partnered with Cleveland Clinic now with the yoga program, and that's mm -hmm. something I forgot to mention. Mm -hmm. They're partnering with us over at Warrensville now. But then our Beyond the Field program, Superintendent Jolly, Athletic Director Swift, they're doing some amazing job, amazing things over there. If you're looking for a program to take your child to, it's not just about what's being done on that, practice, that playing field, whatever sport that may be. But the things we have set up for those kids with the Beyond the Field program that we're doing for those, the scholar athletes over there. I think right now we're averaging like a 2.9 or 3.0 GPA. We're getting kids into school now. We have different programs that's coming in with our Mentoring Mondays. Get involved with us. Hey, if you're interested and you think this is a program you want to institute into your school or organization, Give Coach a call. Again, I'm going to have all that information in the description where you can get information and get involved with Jarvis Gibson Foundation. And we'll talk to you next Sunday. See you then.